welcome to episode 121 of Real Life Ghost Stories. How you do? To kick things off this week, we need to thank our newest Patreon subscribers. We would like to thank Joy Bond. Melanie Muffet. Jill Ann Paulowski. Max Steele. Zoe Thompson. Hello, I'm Eva. Bridget. Kat Smith. Ginger Snaps. Kate Seaman. Adrian Allpress. Tony Morrison. Beck. Hattie Palmiter. Crystal Maddox. Ellen Rudhalls. Rihanna Ree Rowe. Summer Bex. Brandy Henniger. And Sarah Moore. Thank you so much for being our Patreon subscribers. We love you and we appreciate you every day. We sure do. We've got a promo for you this week. We haven't done a promo in a while, so I'm excited. Our promo is for Self-Esteem Truths. Self-Esteem Truths seeks to safely address the real-life struggles that affect our self-esteem. Your host is Christine, a certified life coach who in each episode dives into a truth about why we struggle and what we can do about it. So these episodes are really bite-sized episodes and Christine is a long-time listener of the show, so we were more than happy to support her in getting the promo out there. So I'm going to play the promo now. If it sounds like it's your thing, then please do subscribe. Hi, I'm Christine, host of Self-Esteem Truths, a little podcast to help you make big changes. I'm a certified life coach, and I share some of my own personal experiences. But why would that be helpful? I grew up in a dysfunctional household, and as an adult, I've struggled. But more importantly, I overcame it. I'm on a mission to help others achieve the same quality of life that I now get to experience. Come join me on Mondays and let's see where you can go. And that was Self-Esteem Truths. And our film review this week. Our film review is The Dark and the Wicked. The Dark and the Wicked was released in 2020. It has 6.1 out of 10 on IMDb and 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. Would you like a synopsis? Yes, please. Plagued by waking nightmares, two siblings suspect that something evil is taking over their family at an isolated farmhouse. I would like to point out that Dan, when I said 92% on Rotten Tomatoes, Dan made a very incredulous face. (laughs) So what were your thoughts on this film? Dark should be the word that's emphasised out of the titles, I feel. Um, In terms of the mood that it creates, it's a very dark movie. Is it good? I'm undecided. I enjoyed it. I wouldn't go out my way to watch it again. I was engaged by this film, which is a rarity. Like, I felt really compelled to watch it. I couldn't take my eyes off it. But like you, I don't know if I liked it. I don't know if I... I think enjoyed is the wrong word for a film like this anyway. Like, in, I think it was <laughs> it was so bleak. Holy moly, it was miserable. I don't even... Like, it was so dark. Well, I don't even know what to say other than that. Like, it was so dark. There were some bits about it that I really appreciated. I appreciated that it wasn't another one of those movies that blurs the lines between mental health and paranormal and tries to keep you guessing all the way through. This was very clearly paranormal from within the first 10 minutes. You kind of yeah. got the impression that this wasn't a question of anything else. It's a paranormal situation. And I'm on board with that. I feel like it's... It's getting a little bit worryingly too common at the moment in horror movies. So it was nice to watch it from that sense and just yes. not have to worry about that. It was just very clearly intended to be something paranormal happening to this family. That's and fine. 
And what you had then instead was, instead of you, the watcher, going, is this their mental health issues? You had the protagonist Mm. in the movie going, oh my God, am I seeing these things? Or is this my grief being manifested into something else? So, yeah, instead of you kind of trying to work it out the whole way through, you know it's paranormal, like you said, from the first 10 minutes. There's a couple of things about this film that really stressed me out, which has, um, one of them has become a an apparent trope in horror films lately which is the naked old person trope it's becoming increasingly common and what i'm really not a massive fan of is the fact that they're always corpse bodies as well so yeah it's just like i they always seem to be fresh out the morgue for want of a better word and that in itself is is not a particularly nice image i don't you know the corpse image like reanimated corpses I'm not there for that. Is it that Hollywood thinks that the most horrific thing that you can see is your parent naked? Is that what Hollywood thinks? <laughs> That's what I think as well, maybe. <laughs> I don't have a particular desire to see my parents naked. So, no, yeah. no, I'm not sure it's healthy for anyone to have a particular desire to see their parents naked. I just don't think it's as horrifying as Hollywood likes to make it out to be. But it seems to be more 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 and more regular in films that we watch we get a we get a naked parent who is generally older and is somehow coming back naked to haunt their children or the people i don't know it's just so weird i guess it's it's what it is is it's it's playing on that idea that it is someone you know in a situation that you're not familiar with or that is not not usual so your parents wouldn't be generally wouldn't be knocking around naked in front of you or floating in front of your or floating in front of your face and so it's just it's just playing on that i guess that's where the fear factor is coming from and taking that to an extreme yeah but this film did a lot of extreme things and i the thing i struggled with was i don't mind a slow burn because like i've said before i'm quite into movies that don't really do anything (laughs) at times if they're done well it can be a really good thing and this was very slow on the build and it it sort of kept that slow build all the way through right up until the end. But what I struggled with is I just found this incredibly bleak paranormal aside, like you're, you know, it's the struggle that goes with, with having someone close to death anyway, that you love added with suicide, multiple suicides, multiple suicides and very strong violence and just despair and then terrifying characters to go along with it. (laughs) I don't mind the terrifying stuff. It just, I just felt, it just felt really dark on me. Maybe that's because it's not the kind of horror movie that we get a lot of these days. And maybe that is, you know, a personal impact on me. But I found that quite hard to deal with. I I have to agree with you. I think that I found it difficult to watch suicide after suicide after suicide. And most of them I didn't watch because I knew they were going to be super gory. And I can't, that's my personal thing. I can't deal with that. But I don't want to see, repeatedly see people trying to commit suicide in increasingly violent ways. I know it was part of the narrative and it was part of the story and a part of this this idea about uh, this entity that was haunting the farm. And I do understand that, but I just found it very difficult. However, like you said, there were some great characters. Like the priest was so unnerving. There's a little girl in it briefly, and she is horrific. She's horrible, and not <laughs> so in a scary. and not in a CGI'd creepy way. No. In a in a, I am very much a human being, but I am incredibly dark. Also, really disturbing. She did a lovely job of just being very normal and then switching like that to something very intense and very dark again. And 
you know it's my personal preference that i don't want to see these things but actually it fits all of that stuff like you said fitted in with the narrative and it created this dark this dark film it's called the dark and the evil right something like that dark the dark and the wicked dark and the wicked so that's probably what they were going for and it it does that very well i just don't think it's for me it's very heavy i found it very difficult to it does so many things like in a movie nerd sort of with my movie nerd hat on it does so many things really well you know, you've got that consistent wolf howling and then you get the narrative from the priest talking about the wolf being at the door, the wolf being here, describing yeah. whatever the entity is as a wolf. So it does that. It's good, brilliantly, lovely framed. The colour scape is beautiful. Like, it just fits in with the bleakness of it. I liked what they what they would... I don't even want to say what they were trying to do because they did it well. I like what they were doing. I like the story. I just don't feel it was for me. And that ambiguity about what the entity was... We're told it's the devil, but we're told by whatever the entity is in is in disguise. Yes. So, is it the devil? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and we don't find out. No. And there's no conclusion to it. And just the ending is so bleak. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's incredibly dark. So I think that's that's. Yeah, we haven't actually. I know it sounds like we've spoiled it, but we really haven't in terms of the bleakness. It's just the bleakest film I've seen in a long time, and it, I felt very. I felt it it was very weighty as well. So what would you give this film out of five? I'm really conscious of the fact that I post up my scores for these things on Letterboxd and then by the time we sit down to record it, I forget what I scored it on Letterboxd and I really hate the inconsistency, but I'm sitting at roughly about a three, I think. I liked it. It was different. It was genuinely... There were some moments that did scare me and did put me unease, but my overall takeaway from it was that I just it just felt really bleak. I don't like feeling like that so i couldn't score any higher i agree i'm going to give it a i'm going to give it a three two and for the same reason i think i just felt really fucking sad after i watched it so i don't want to feel sad i can definitely see why people are are vibing on it though because it is something a little bit different and it's nice to see something different which brings us to our stories this week it is something that we have not visited in quite some time because today, we are going to be talking about skinwalkers. No. <laughs> and it's been a while. It's been almost two years since we've discussed skinwalkers. That long? It's been that oh, long. Man, they have burrowed their way into my conscious because I feel like I think about them every day. Yes, they really have. <laughs> when I ask listeners what topic they find most scary or disturbing, the most popular answer is always skinwalkers. Skinwalkers were blasted into the mainstream in 1996 when the Sherman family documented their experience on what is now known as Skinwalker Ranch. But the legend has roots that are deep in Navajo culture and traditions. While they may be a mainstream modern phenomenon, they've always been a part of Navajo life. The most common origin story is that the skinwalker is born when a benevolent medicine man abuses indigenous magic for evil deeds. They obtain the power to possess animals or humans or even turn into an animal. These creatures have the power to terrorise or even kill and are often described as being animalistic but with a human-like feature and glowing yellow or orange eyes. Today we are going to explore some real-life skinwalker stories, hunted down from around the internet. Tomahawk, Wisconsin is a wildlife dream. 
The area sits atop the Wisconsin River and is home to a vast marshland and woodland. If wild, fanciful creatures were to roam anywhere, it would be here. Just outside Tomahawk, there lived a family which consisted of two teenage sons, a mother and a father. Theirs was a life of distinct normality. They lived on the outskirts of town, next to a peaceful woodland, and their lives ticked by as normal family life does. They had no interest in monsters, creatures, cryptids, or even the paranormal in general. It was late August 2008 when all of this would change and things that go bump in the night would suddenly become a staple of the family's life. It was early afternoon. The autumn sun was bright and the air was crisp. One of the sons strolled down the driveway of the house to check the mailbox. What he saw would change the family's life forever. Just a hundred yards away from him, in broad daylight, was a creature. It was the height of a tall man, and ambled across the road on two legs. This was no bear, and it was certainly no wolf. This creature was covered in dark hair and had a broad chest and narrow hips. Its head and face were wolf-like, but something was just not quite right about it. The creature seemed to be completely unaware or completely uncaring that it was being watched, and the boy backed away slowly into the house and frantically told his family what he had seen. There had to be a reasonable explanation, they all agreed. Maybe a thin bear on its hind legs? But the boy was adamant about what he had seen. That night, the mother was awoken by a violent thud. Whatever it was shook the whole house and it sounded like something had slammed into the building itself. She waited in the darkness, listening, and heard nothing so decided that it was safer to wait until morning to find out what had happened. Upon inspection the next morning, there was a huge dent in the steel frame of the house and deep scratch marks in the wall eight feet above the ground. The family searched for something that may have caused the damage, but to no avail. And it wasn't long before the entire family began to witness this wolf-like creature standing on its hind legs in their driveway, just watching the house. The boy would often wake to the creature standing still outside of his window in the dead of night, and feeling unsafe began to sleep in the living room. The family were understandably at a loss as to what to do until the mother was eventually approached by a neighbour. He told her that ten years earlier he had seen the same creature. He owned a junkyard and was working late in the evening as night was creeping in. He felt as though he was being watched, and looked up towards the edge of the forest that lined his property. And there it was. Quietly watching him, just within the tree line, was a huge, bipedal, wolf-like creature. The man made an instantaneous decision to run and he dropped his tools and sprinted towards the house, turning in horror to realise that this creature was chasing him. He reached the house, and as he did so, the creature veered off back into the woodlands. So that was our first story, just to Mm -hmm. to get you in and get you ready for some skinwalkerness. It was adapted from a book that I found called Real Wolfmen, True Encounters in Modern America by Linda S. Godfrey, which has loads, 
and loads and loads and loads of wolf stories or wolf men stories or skinwalker stories from mm. all over America. I thought you were going to call it, I thought you were going to say it came from a book called Real Life Skinwalker Stories and I was like, wow, that's impressive. It just fills me with a feeling of dread. Like, what? what is it? What is this wolf? Are we talking about a werewolf? Are we talking about something else? Probably something else, I'd imagine. But that's the sort of Western interpretation interpretation of what they're looking at. I just the, every way that it's every way they're described when they seem to be in this form is always like wild and mangy. Do you know what I mean? Like it's they're like not rabbits, not the right word, but it just they're just so sort of predatorial and described as just being so unhuman like yet bipedal and yet there's something distinctly human about them Mm. i think that's the thing that gets me it's not because misidentification happens right but you don't see a wolf and go whoa that wolf looks really human you know what i mean if you if you saw i don't know i just find the human like features very very strange i mean and the other thing is the wolf-like head is a very distinct face wolves don't tend to walk around on two feet no as a as a general rule no they don't so that automatically makes it more human like doesn't it because it's because of the way it's walking it's an unusual thing to see something with that face walking on two feet i can see why people might try to say oh you're just you know it's a it's a mangy unhealthy bear because it fits that image and they often do walk around on two feet and they get very skinny and they lose yeah. some of their hair yeah i feel like something that is ill or suffering is not normally this reserved it's lots of sightings of of them waiting or them being in the distance or them being still or just watching or just watching i feel like a ill animal that is a predator is desperate yes i agree and desperate animals don't act reserved you know that there is a reason why they say you know like a cornered lion (laughs) Yeah. Predators, when they're desperate, don't show reserve. No, they don't. And they don't stop and consider and think in the no. way that... Like, because wolves are hunting creatures. They're pack animals. They, they're they very intelligent. They're not stupid. It's basic survival instinct as well. We don't, we don't do it as humans because there's other routes to us when we're struggling. Yes. So, you know, we, we might go and see a doctor and get medicine or, you know, whatever. There's no other route for that animal. If that animal is sick and desperate... It has to act. It has to act irrationally because the alternative is dying. Story number two comes from the user Iron underscore Jesus on Reddit, and all of the links to all of these Reddit stories will be in the description of this episode in case anybody wants to read them or read the comments or whatever. Anybody that has been on the Navajo reservation has either heard of some creepy things or have experienced pretty creepy things. Namely skinwalkers. I have only seen one, and here is my story. I come from a small town in northern Arizona that's sandwiched between the Paiute Reservation to the north and the US's largest Navajo reservation to the south. My high school being so small that on average 80 students were enrolled every year. We always had to travel south about 5 to 10 hours one way to play another high school in any sport. So this means that we travelled a lot on the Navajo reservation. And we usually stayed at hotels when we would head out to play and come home in the morning. But this trip was a little bit different. 
I remember the basketball coach saying that the school didn't have enough money to put up the teams in a hotel that trip so we were going to be on the road for a total of about 12 hours. I was the only male senior to play basketball that season. We had just got done playing our game and headed home on our bus. We were headed out and it wasn't long, about two hours of driving, before we entered the reservation. By this time everyone was asleep and it was about two in the morning. When we'd crossed the reservation's border, I noticed the bus driver had sped up and was now going about 85 miles an hour. I thought this was a little weird because he never exceeded the speed limit. At least not in my high school career. For some reason I just couldn't fall asleep like the rest of my teammates and I sat at the back of the bus staring out across the desolate desert landscape that was lit up by the full moon. As I looked out I could see a figure running towards the bus at an angle of pursuit. And keeping up with the bus at 85 miles an hour. As the figure got closer I saw that it was a humanoid form. As a matter of fact, it looked exactly like a human, only that the face was painted half black and half white, and it had glowing eyes. Glowing eyes like a rabbit's eyes reflecting light from a spotlight. I immediately thought, holy crap, it's a skinwalker. The skinwalker ran up to the edge of the road and just kept up pace with the bus, hurdling sagebrush and rocks while staring at me. After I made eye contact with the thing, I just could not look away. It was as if something was holding my head and my eyes in place. The skinwalker smiled at me, this inhuman smile that went ear to ear, showing crooked, yellow, pointed teeth. I felt like I was going to throw up and I was panicking through the whole ordeal. The skinwalker started to crumple down onto all fours, still keeping up with the bus. I could see his bones crack and reform, hair started appearing all over the skinwalker's body and in about three seconds it was now a coyote and it ran off back into the desert out of view. As soon as it was gone, I ran to the onboard bathroom and puked a mixture of food and blood. I didn't want to tell anyone for fear that they would think I was crazy. I confided in my Navajo friend and she told me that I needed to see the chief who also happened to be a friend of mine, and that I needed to get a blessing. I saw him the next school day in the parking lot. He came up to me and mumbled something in Navajo, turned around, got in his truck, and drove away. To this day, I haven't seen another skinwalker. It might be due to the fact that I moved away from the town and the reservation, and if I do have to go south, I go the long way around the really long way around. I just want to point out before you say anything that when I read that story and the comments on the Reddit thread said, oh, you mean this place? I, you know, I know it really well. I've had experiences there too. You're not the only one. It's just that unnatural movement again, isn't it? Keeping pace with a bus that's going about 80 miles an hour. Like, I don't... I don't even think Usain Bolt could do that, right? Definitely not over a sustained period of time either. Like, he's a sprinter. That's so fast. But it was definitely in human form as well. There was nothing about it running on all fours or anything like that. No, 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 because then, because then the the yeah. the, the narrator, the yeah. submitter, the redditor said that it then went down onto all fours and yeah. transformed. I mean, I just can't. It whenever we do go to America, which will be at some point in the future, I would love to rent a car 
and drive in these desolate places because we don't have anything like that here, like those big desert spaces. But I also would shit myself because mm-hmm. of all these stories. <laughs> yep. You've got black-eyed children, you got skinwalkers, you got UFOs, all sorts of shit goes on in those desert places. I don't ever want to go there. Yeah. I'm not I'm not feeling it massively. I don't want to be alone. <laughs> but yeah, I just it's just the image that the author painted of the of his experience was just harrowing in that face you know the the painted face and the unnatural smile with the pointy teeth because i think we often we think of skinwalkers as being just wolves or you know wolves that look human or people that transform into wolves but actually it can be any animal that you choose it to be it doesn't have to be a wolf and it's commonly things like owls too can be it's always blooming owls so what's an owl owls are to blame for all sorts of it's paranormal never things an owl. <laughs> story number three comes from the redditor guru bush hippie now this story is totally different than any skinwalker story we've heard before so i think you might be interested in this one about a month ago i hiked to a place called dismal creek in transylvania county North Carolina. Known as the land of waterfalls, the county is just running wild with creeks and tributaries. Very beautiful, but it's always had a mysterious feel. I've always felt curious while visiting in the area. Dismal Creek was different though. A man by the name of Jim Bob Tinsley wrote a book called Land of Waterfalls about southwestern North Carolina and described Dismal Creek as the most foreboding place in the Southern Appalachians. Keep in mind that I only learned this after my visit, and had I had known of Tinsley's apprehension, I likely would never have visited. The hike itself is ridiculously demanding. Grades of over 50% make up the majority of the hike, and that is not an exaggeration. There are four waterfalls on the way up to the creek. The first two feel very sublime. Safe but there's something channeling through. About the time you hit the third falls called Grotto, the feeling of dread starts to become very prominent, but a sense of beckoning drew me onward, a very difficult feeling to describe. I got to a split in the path, and because the area is so unforgiving, my map was inconclusive. I could hear the falls down the mountainside, but felt I needed to go up and over via the right path, I left a sign for myself to determine the way back and headed up to the rugged jumble of earth that was the ridgeline. I had just started the intense scramble when I got the sense that I was being watched. I turned to look behind me and thought I saw someone disappear into the rhododendron and mountain laurels surrounding the trail. I only saw the back of what appeared to be a cloak. There was no sound. It didn't make sense. The leaf litter gives away even the smallest of insects. I should have heard something. I attributed this to a combo of dehydration and sheer exhaustion. I've seen shadow people in the woods before due to that, so I really didn't put much stock into it. I just couldn't shake that feeling of dread, though. I continued the climb, step after grueling step, and after cresting over the ridge, I was in Dismal Holler. 
I found myself looking down a nearly 70 degree angle with a rope anchored to a tree. I semi-repelled down to a second rope and finally hit the bottom. Then came a wet rock scramble to the base of the falls. The falls were breathtaking. A 200 foot gentle cascade with a 40 foot sheer drop at the top. It was incredible. I sat down to chew on some mountain mint and when I glanced at the top of the falls I nearly fell off the log and into the creek. There was a woman up there. She was pretty far away but appeared to be old and wearing a cloak of some sort. Grey, tightly curled hair, that's all I could see from my vantage. She was facing me for a few seconds before turning and walking off out of view. I immediately got up and started scrambling up the mossy, soaked rock cascade towards the top of the falls. I got there after a very treacherous scramble only to find nothing. Hands on my knees and taking laboured breaths, I heard a voice from the bottom of the falls. Hey, it said in a strange spectral voice. It sounded hollow. I turned to look and there she was disappearing into the rhododendron once again. I was in total and absolute disbelief. I felt sick to my stomach. I carefully picked my way down to the base again and started the trail out. I just felt like I shouldn't be there, like I'd seen something I shouldn't have. I'm a long-time bushman and I'm not afraid to say that I'm tough as fucking nails, but I wanted to run out of there crying. I finally made it to the top using the ropes for help. As soon as I crested the ridge, my nose started bleeding. Only a few drops. I kept moving and was essentially running down the mountainside. I got to the bottom and followed the path indicated by the signs that I had left. I kept running and came around a blind curve. And I nearly ran into her at full speed. In trying to stop, I took a hard tumble, and when I opened my eyes, she was standing over me. The curly hair and the fair skin, she didn't look particularly gruesome or hag-like. She was very old, but it was obvious that in her youth she had been beautiful. Her eyes, though, the eyes were very alive and full of vitality, very youthful, and the irises were so light blue they were almost white. Though her form appeared benign, I had the distinct feeling that she did not mean me well and that she did not want me there. I wanted to crawl away from where I had fallen, but I was backed up against a rock. I edged along until I regained my feet and backed away from her. Her expressionist gaze never left me. I ran until I was well off that mountain. When I stopped running, I was on a more well-established trail. When I'd come in, the area felt fine, but now I could feel that dread still. All was silent as I hiked out. There was not a single animal sound. I was almost out when suddenly a bobcat appeared on the trail ahead of me, seemingly from nowhere. I stopped and looked at it, as it looked at me. It had her eyes. I knew they were her eyes. I told her I wouldn't be back and I told her that her mountain was beautiful. And then I left as she disappeared into the rhododendron thicket. Hmm. Very different to what we're used to, right? Very different but similar in that there's a lot of still a lot of stalking going on. 
I do love the witchy vibes, though. I'm into mm, it. I feel like this is very off-putting. <laughs> but I kind of feel her pain a little bit. You know, you go off into the wilderness up a big mountain. That's a really difficult climb. And you think, do you know what? I won't be disturbed by anybody around here. I won't be disturbed. I'll just have a nice life. I'll live in the wilderness with the animals, being my beautiful witchy self. And then you get people like this guy grunting and moaning up your mountain. And I'd, I'd be annoyed too, I have to say. I would I would be giving out all those vibes of get off my mountain. I am surprised <laughs> that's, the, uh, that's the angle you took there. <laughs> well, if I ever disappear, you'll know that I'm up a mountain somewhere yeah, turning I, into oh, a bobcat. No, oh no, not to bother coming to find you because you just want to be left alone. Yeah, don't bother. Yeah, okay. Um, no, I, I, yeah, this is just as terrifying as the other ones for me. Um, it's that more than natural thing again, isn't it? Of being at the top and then being at the bottom in no time at all. Like, that's bizarre. Good choice of animal too. Wasn't there a TV show in the 90s called Dismal Creek? about some teenagers was there oh you're making a joke about Dawson's Creek I did not get that I didn't get it at all god I hate when I'm so dim this is like the Patreon episode where you filled it with Incubus song lyrics and I didn't notice it wasn't lyrics it was titles but yeah and our next story comes from Man Tran I was spending a month with my cousins at my grandma's house it was August and my cousin's ages ranged from 10 to 15, and I was the eldest. I was staying with 10, 13 and 14 year old. We stayed up telling scary stories often, but one night a few weeks in we decided to make a campfire out the back. My grandma's house is in a rural suburb. The neighbours aren't too far when you were driving down the road to her house. But in the backyard it's a thick forest with man-made paths through it. Each house is on a hill, so only part of the basement was actually underground. That isn't important until later, though. So we're towards the east side of her yard, in a smallish patch of open land. You couldn't see the neighbouring yards from there, and there was probably three quarters of a mile to each side of us that belonged to my grandma. It was maybe eleven at night, and we were playing truth or dare after telling scary stories, and my 14-year-old cousin dared me and the 13-year-old to go walk through the paths for 10 minutes or so. I said yes right away, as I wasn't easily scared and rather level-headed, but my younger cousin was a bit more hesitant. We didn't bring a flashlight because it wasn't pitch dark yet, and we could see enough not to die. We were walking through the paths for about 5 minutes and could barely see the fire through the trees when we decided to turn. In the middle of the path was a large dog-like creature, hunched over with its front hands an inch from the ground. What I remember most was how its eyes were so fucking bright white. And it was somehow a humanoid dog shape, with a human-like head, but a dog-like body, but still human hands and feet. It looked right at us and I know I was paralysed with fear as it dashed away the opposite direction from us, towards a creek that ran through the yard. Eventually my cousin and I screamed bloody murder and the other cousins and my grandma ran to us. I don't remember much here because I was really disoriented and I couldn't think properly, but I did wake up in bed, so I assumed that I was brought up to the house. All of the kids slept in the basement, in a big room with sliding glass doors to the outside. 
as the room was on the side that wasn't underground. My bed was pressed against a big glass window, and I could see my cousins playing outside down below. The house is in Michigan, so it gets slightly chilly even in the end of August, and there was a breeze so I put on a jacket and ran to join them outside, skipping breakfast, not wanting to miss out on anything fun. When I got down I could tell they weren't playing, but rather running to get my grandma. Her dogs, both of them, were dead. They had been ripped apart. That night we went to bed early. I woke at maybe two in the morning because I felt something hit my head. My cousins were all sitting on the double bed opposite me on the other side of the room. There was one bunk bed and two double beds, and the double beds were for me and my 14-year-old cousin. They were being quiet and staring at me. The 13-year-old nodded his head towards the window, and I froze. They all looked terrified. I turned my head slightly to the side and I saw a really messed up looking face pressed to the window with gaping eyes looking down at me. I screamed so loud and it bolted. My grandma called the police after I told her what had happened and they found nothing. I went home after that and I've never been there during the night again. So many similarities yet a very different story again. But so many similarities to the first story with this thing coming back to watch whatever witnessed it. Does, yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Also, is the Michigan Dogman actually a skinwalker? Yes. Categorically. Yeah. I'd, yeah. Why not? <laughs> and in my story, Hunting, and when I read that book, um, Real Wolfmen of America, or whatever it was called, I'll leave the link in the description, there were so many stories of people, and this is awful, but people's pets being taken off by wolf men and not mm. not, not wolves, but wolf men. Interesting. Which is very sad. I would be devastated. Oh, yeah. Super sad. Um, although I feel like Tiny Bims would probably have the power to fight it off. I'd go and take them on anyway. <laughs> Even if she didn't have the power, I'd be like, right, fuck this. <laughs> I just thought that there's it has a similarity to all of them because there's a real focus on the eyes being different again. Like this is the third one on the trot where the eyes have been a thing. Now I know the old lady's eyes were different because she'd ended up being a bobcat and that's how. But she also had very pale blue eyes, which yeah. is, which is striking in itself. Yep. So that seems to be, and animals eyes are different to our own. Yes, they are. I'm sorry for stating the obvious. I, I said that as if people had not realised that that's a fact. Yes, you did. <laughs> Just in case people are unaware, animals do not have the same eyes as humans. So would you like me to dive straight into another story? Uh, yeah, I am, I'm a bit shooketh, but go for it. This story comes from user Hey Johnny Utah. The one that stands out the most comes from a close friend. Take it for what it's worth. It didn't happen to me but it did happen to a very close friend of mine. I've heard a lot about coyotes and skinwalkers and had a weird experience or two with coyotes. The creepiest was waking up to my sleeping bag being surrounded by paw prints without ever hearing them during the night. But never anything paranormal, so to speak. Patrick's story, however, kept me from going back to a favourite backcountry secret stash. He was leaving the area one morning 
had been camping there a couple of days and said there was a coyote that always seemed to be close by, like in his peripheral vision, but never overt. He loaded up his truck and started to drive down the washout to the fire road. At the end of the wash, he could see the coyote following him. When he pulled out onto the road, it was running next to him. Now he was freaked out, so he sped up. He said he was going 35 or so and it was running along beside him, which is definitely not possible. When he looked back, the coyote was running on two legs and was wearing what Patrick said looked like buckskin pants. An instant later, it was a person wearing coyote fur, keeping pace with his truck. And when he looked again, it was gone. We never went back to the grove after that. It was too freaky. I do not blame you in the slightest or that person in the slightest. There's no way I'd be back after that. <laughs> well, apparently, according to Skinwalker legend and Navajo legend, most people, most Navajo people won't talk about how a Skinwalker is made because they're like, no, that's that's some bad shit. Um, but a part of the ritual apparently is the killing of the animal that you want to embody and wearing its fur, wearing its pelt. Mm. So it's interesting that Patrick saw a coyote running really fast and then he saw a human wearing a coyote pelt. Yeah, that is interesting. But again, it's that keeping pace with the vehicle thing, isn't it? That just makes it really creepy because we can't, like, I haven't, we might be able to for a little bit as we're pulling away, I guess. Maybe for a short amount of time. I mean, I definitely can't even. (laughs) But it would take a huge (laughs) amount of effort and strain and you could never sustain it. No. As, like when you when the car, as the car picked up speed, you'd very quickly fall behind. Yeah, whereas all these stories are that it kept pace, and some of the stories it gets up to the pace, so it's not even chasing you from the beginning, from starting. You're already at speed. The vehicle's already at speed, and then whatever's chasing it catches up, which is even scarier, right? <laughs> I wonder if these if these are skinwalker encounters. Because obviously there's no way of verifying these stories. They're Reddit stories. Anybody could be posting them. They could be making them up. Whatever. I'm not even going to go into whether or not I think they're true. Because it's a moot point, I think, with Reddit. But if they are true, if these are stories where people have experienced a creature that is chasing their vehicle or whatever, is it a case of, get off my land. This is my area. You do not need to be here. This is my territory. And it's trying to chase them away. Yeah, quite possibly. Quite possibly. I thought you were going for, is it a human chasing them? I was like, no, we just we just covered the fact <laughs> Literally that Literally just had that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could well be. It could well be. It's part of me, a, a tiny little part of me, which I like to ignore, is saying to me, I wonder how much of these stories have been added to because there are tropes that we expect from these stories. Like running a pace with a car. Yeah. Mm. But. I agree. As with all good things, there has to be an element of truth to it at some point. I think that's why I really liked the one in the mountains because it was completely different Mm. to what we've come to almost expect from Skinwalker stories. And I can imagine if you were talking to Navajo people or Navajo elders in particular, because we had that conversation today about how older generations often have more reverence for the supernatural and the paranormal within a community they would probably have a very different narrative to what the skinwalker narrative that we perpetuate is absolutely and i i'm no by i i'm 100 percent on board with skinwalkers being a thing like there is no doubt in my mind that they're a thing and for all i know all these people could have 
experienced a similar thing because that's what they do but a part of the logical part of me which is a very tiny voice in my mind as i'm sure all of you realize by now <laughs> but the sign the logical is saying have these people experienced something unnormal like that they can't explain and then embellish the details to fit in with the skinwalker thread yeah maybe because as i've said before it's bizarre the lengths people will go to to get upvotes on reddit you know the stories that they will make up to get upvotes on reddit and stuff which i mean it's 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 our social media age isn't it people want to to be seen they want to see that their story has been liked it's the equivalent of having the best playground story really isn't it that's it's the same thing yes and you know i would i probably because i'm that kind of person i'd probably say 95 percent of these stories are as described i think it's important as well to point out that since we've started this podcast we've had numerous conversations with navajo people who have said skinwalkers are very real that that is a real thing that is a real thing don't fuck with it it's real so that's one of the things that shakes me shooks me shooks me because that's good english that shooks you up <laughs> that shooks me up the most i think is the fact that there's just this unspoken it's not even unspoken this spoken confirmation that these are this is a real thing you don't want to mess with them we've had this in the context of a story before where the elders have just been like yep these exist you don't fuck around with them leave it at that that's to, to me is just like no I, I am on board I will not be messing around with these thank you for your advice see you later and I've got one more story for oh. you from Angelos this was in the very early 80s and my sister who lived in Toronto came down to visit our parents for a weekend she was staying at a friend's house who loaned her a car so she could come out after her visit she left a little after 9pm and she got maybe seven or eight miles away when the car broke down. Thankfully, she broke down in front of a friend of the family's house. They let her in to call my dad, and my dad came to get her. The family said she could just leave the car in their driveway for the night, and my sister decided to just stay at my parents'. It was now a little after 10pm, and it was pitch black because it was late November. While my sister and my dad were driving back to the house, they passed through a heavily wooded area. Out of nowhere, they heard this incredibly loud, inhuman scream that was heard over the engine, over them talking, and over the radio. My dad slammed on the brakes, and they both started freaking out when suddenly a six-foot-tall coyote walking on two legs with a black-and-white striped tail appeared on the side of the road and proceeded to walk in front of the car. As soon as it passed, that same scream came again, only this time it was ten times louder. My dad slammed on the accelerator and they got the fuck out of there. And they never saw it again. That's mm. so fucking weird. I think the really loud inhuman scream is a really open to interpretation sound. Because whenever I hear the word scream, I think of a human scream. Yes, but... but I know exactly what they mean by that, which for my little brain is really hard to interpret because scream, in my mind, is human. But when someone says inhuman scream, I can still hear it and I know exactly what they mean. 
But that's, I can't pinpoint what my reference is. Do you see what I mean? That's a very strange thought. Yeah. Where, where have you heard that before? Yeah, that's what I mean. That's why. That's why. That's why my brain can't handle it because I know. I know the sound they mean in my head. But my reference point for a scream is a human scream. So what is in my head? <laughs> where does that come from? I mean, if you hear like, I know you're not. This isn't what you're talking about. But a vixen's yeah. scream is inhuman. But you also no it's a vixen if yeah. you lived in an area where mm. there are foxes you will know what a vixen's scream sounds like i mean it's scary yeah and i'm sure i, I mean i'm not sure actually because i don't actually know but i wonder if coyotes make similar in heat screams i wonder i have no idea i don't know very much about coyotes to be honest but again you'd know yes if you lived in an area where there yeah. were coyotes i presume you know what a coyote sounds like yeah uh, and whew. as well as that that sound is not going to blast over an engine and a radio no. and two people having a conversation no it's not and and that sounds also not going to be proceeded by a coyote human thing walking in front of your car on two legs yeah six foot tall yep oh i mean i just can't i can't even imagine what your feeling would be sitting watching that pass by your car i'm trying to put myself mm. in their situation and i i do not like it i do not like it at all I feel like I need a behavioural study of skinwalkers. <laughs> there are lots of academic studies on skinwalker lore. Okay, so just, I might have to go down that rabbit hole Just at some to point. let you know. It's unusual behaviour. Well, it's human behaviour. That's the point. Yeah. Is it though? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, just randomly walking out in front of a car. Is that human behaviour? Yes, it is actually. <laughs> I mean, you've you've walked yeah. anywhere with me. Yeah, fair enough. I'm just going to leave that there. <laughs> Am I a skinwalker? That's the real question. <laughs> if you enjoyed today's episode, you can find everything you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. You can send your own spooky story to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can support us on Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash stories, where for $5 a month or $2 a month, you get access to heaps of extra content. And on that note, we shall see you next week. Bye.